Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at EIU. I'm Kim Irvin, the instructional designer and your host today. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. In this episode, I'll visit with EIU librarian Steve Brantley about Open Educational Resources, or OER for short. What are they? Their different forms, benefits they offer, including benefits in course design, where to find them, and the best practice for EIU faculty and staff to create an OER. So welcome to the FDIP, Steve. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I I am so glad and thankful that you were able to stop by and visit with us today. Um, Today, I have the good pleasure of speaking with Steve Brantley. He's librarian and head of the Research Engagement and Scholarship, RES for short, department at Booth Library. And what Steve does is Steve and his team are the librarians dedicated to supporting students and faculties to successfully accomplish their academic goals at EIU. So what's That's all right. that mean, Steve? Okay, well, um, we, we call ourselves RES, or Research Engagement and Scholarship, but most people would recognize more our, the more traditional name, which would be reference librarians. Okay, so I and my team uh, make ourselves available in a, through a variety of means to the student and to faculty um, in order to help them uh, find information using the libraries, using the library's tools. And we also then go into the classroom or have classes come to us uh, to instruct students in how to use library materials and, and just sort of generally uh, navigate the information ecosystem that they that they live in. Yeah, and we're very glad that you do. And one of the areas that you work with are open educational resources, OERs, yeah, right? That's right. That's yeah. Right. So, can you um, educate us on what is an OER first? Okay. Well, um, an OER is uh, any kind of teaching or learning or even research material that is in the public domain or has been made available through a, uh, an open license such that it is available for use, reuse, remixing, um, just about anything you, you might want to do with it uh, under often a Creative Commons license. Nice. And, it, you know, the quality um, educated people are creating these open educational resources um, and you said a real key word there, remixing, that mm-hmm. you have that capability of yeah, remixing. Yeah, that's something people often don't think about. I mean, they, they imagine, they hear OER and they think, okay, it's free and available, that's great. Um, but in, in addition to that, uh, there's an intention behind the label OER um, and that, that adaptation aspect or that remixing aspect in which uh, people, people have made these materials available uh, and you, you as an instructor or as a learner even can download them and utilize them in whatever way you want, re-edit them, change them, make them more relevant or uh, appropriate to your learning environment. Definitely a, a usable aspect <laughs> of the resource. Now, what forms of OERs exist? Okay, well, OERs can exist sort of in whatever form you might imagine. So a lot of people think about OERs and they think about um, textbooks, okay? So uh, entire textbooks for any given uh, discipline or area are, are likely to, be, to exist out there on the, on the web. Um, but there are a variety of other different things that OER can be, such as um, 
supplementary materials such as a, a collection of assignments on a particular in a particular topic, or um, oh, let's see, sort of we can have things like um, interaction, like um, interactive materials such as uh, you know maybe a maybe a three D file that could be downloaded and utilized in a VR environment to simulate different um, different things. Uh, you can also have sort of role play elements that can, that's another interactive aspect of OER. So for example, uh, there might be an OER which describes a particular type of, a particular scenario, a historical scenario or something, and you as the instructor then uh, assign your students to, to be different roles in that. And so the actual um, execution of the OER occurs sort of organically and uh, in your classroom but the o, what the OER is is the instructions for that uh, for that role play. Sure, and then maybe websites, videos. Sure, yeah. So OER take those formats as well. You know, so in addition to sort of supplemental readings, we have supplemental videos. Um, a real common uh, form of OER people can think about in terms of video is, uh, say, TED Talks. Um, TED Talks are utilized often. Uh, people, you know. The fact is that a lot of OERs are utilized by folks without them necessarily knowing that they're utilizing an OER, for, for example. You know, they, if they find a video or a video clip or a, or a TED Talk that they think is really useful, asking their students to utilize that is, you know, in a, in a, in a form, you know, exercising, you know, the use of an OER. Sure. All forms of OERs excite me, but one form that you mentioned was um, the role-playing mm -hmm. VR. And the reason, from an instructional designer perspective, the reason that form excites me a little bit more is because it gets to the heart of active learning, mm -hmm. which we try to advocate in course design um, to um, provide active learning opportunities so the students can stay more engaged with the content and also experience the content in different modalities. Mm -hmm. So that one really piqued my interest from an instructional design perspective. I think uh, as one explores the world of OERs and, and how the different formats that they exist in, that can provide a lot of creative energy and a lot of in, in, um, inspiration for an instructor to um, to come up with new ways for their students to learn. Sure, sure, which really gets to the heart of learning, right? Right. Um, we talked about the the uh, role plays and the simulations being a benefit to instructional design, but do you want to mention maybe some other benefits of maybe textbooks, um, mm -hmm. using textbooks, OER textbooks in the course? Okay. Uh, well, uh, one example is that I mentioned that their their adaptability. Um, when I think about people utilizing uh, OER textbooks, um, I don't necessarily thinking about think about them taking the entire textbook and utilizing it for the course. Although that's certainly possible, um, but maybe taking a chapter here, a chapter there, from a variety of places because that kind of uh, allows them to uh, specialize or or um, curate a much more relevant set of resources for their particular course. Sure. And that's a valid point because, you know, a lot of times when we mention the textbooks, we think of using it in its totality. Mm -hmm. But if you want to search for a textbook 
and just use a chapter or two, then that could be an instructional component of the course. So I like that distinction when we talk about textbooks. And then another thing is the cost savings to the students, right? And that was kind of an eye-opener to me, I'll be honest. Well, one of the reasons that OER sort of have developed over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years even is the rising cost of higher education. And students can't really control a lot of the um, factors in their higher education, such as room and board, tuition, fees. Um, Where they can control is something like textbooks. So one way that the student strapped for cash is going to perhaps try to to manage that is um, maybe not buy the textbook or share them. Uh, Or at EIU, we have a really great program in which students the textbook rental, as everyone will be familiar with, and so the students don't have to buy those expensive books. However, um, as they are sort of cutting those corners, for lack of a better term, um, that availability of the content is that much more limited, okay? So you and your roommate have the same course. You share the textbook. Uh, well, if you know, what if the night you need it, your roommate has it? You can't get to those readings. Um, OERs sort of help eliminate, quite frankly, the, the basic cost of, of those instructional materials. But then in addition to that, because they're free, because they're made available through, by the instructor through the course, there's less of, you know, they're much more available. Um, so the student has, there are fewer obstacles to getting access to that content. And that makes sense, yeah. We talked about the different forms. We kind of honed in on um, role-playing and how that can really be at the heart of active learning for Mm -hmm. some of these resources. And then we kind of honed in on textbooks because of the cost, low cost to no cost um, option for students. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, I would also just say that if one were to utilize, um, if one wanted to utilize open educational resources in their course, they could do a lot of um, uh, selection from a variety of different OER made available, uh, resources made available, whether that is reading content that's available as public domain or perhaps um, uh, different instructions from different sort of OER repositories where one might find things and then build a course from that rather than necessarily taking an entire course such as one might if they were using a textbook. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. Um, From an instructional design perspective, the benefit for all of these varieties really also gets to the heart of one of the standards, if you will, that we look at for good course design, which is to provide a variety of relevant instructional materials Mm -hmm. to be used in a course, whether that course be face-to-face or online. Um, Kind of a, uh, to any listeners that maybe have gone through the OCDI program that our department offers. And I've conducted a course review on your course. And maybe I said, can there be a little bit more variety in the type of modalities that you're offering um, the content? The OER is a great place to start because of the comprehensibility of the modalities that it offers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like that about it too. I Um, think it also can provide just a great deal of inspiration. Uh, Just doing that sort of exploration of uh, different OERs and the forms they take can provide a great deal of, you know, idea generation for the instructor to create their own. 
Yeah, sure. So we've mentioned a lot of benefits and the, the pros for OERs. How can faculty find OERs? Okay, well, um, in many cases, OERs as particular objects, you know, we mentioned the openness of them. So in a sense, anything you find that is freely available to you and, and is a quality uh, piece of content, you can use and call it an OER. However, um, many different there exist many different uh, publishers of open educational resource textbooks. And if you want to mention them, we will make links available in show notes. So yeah, we will, yeah. Um, well, one thing to, one, one um, salient uh, feature for EIU is that um, we belong to what's called the Open Textbook ne- Network, which is, has its, its home at University of Minnesota. Uh, but there are over 500 different open educational resources, open textbooks available uh, and, and discoverable through the library's um, catalog. Okay, so they're all within that. You can also then, if one were to Google uh, OER repositories, you'll find a number of different resources. And one of the links that I'll provide is to a guide that I've created within the, the library's site all about OERs and lots of different links to different resources for them. However, um, just to, to sum up a little bit about wh- those repositories I mentioned, um, there are a number of different repositories, whether they are K-12, higher ed, or, or, or other types of education um, that one can find and then search. Once you get to those sites, you can search them like a, like a regular search engine using keywords for content, but you can also then narrow them down to a particular subject area, say physics or uh, statistics or whatever you, you are teaching. Um, and then oftentimes you can also filter by the format of the resource. So there'll be a collection of videos, there might be a collection of different uh, assignments, or there might be a collection of different readings and so on and so forth. And you're able to sort of filter in those ways too. Different, different sites, different repositories have different functionality for the way that they allow you to search. You read my mind. I was going to ask you how those search engines work on the OERs. So mm-hmm. yeah, very, very common, very common way that they work with filters mm-hmm. and keyword searches. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I recommend when you're exploring that you look at a number of different repositories because um, there are many. And uh, because of that, there may, you know, Different ones will have a different variety of content, and some are a bit more. Uh, Merlot is an example of one that might that uh, your listeners might be familiar with. is a, a huge and long-standing uh, repository of humanities-based uh, uh, educational resources. Sure. So, Steve, if one of our listeners, a faculty member, staff member, wants to add content as an open educational resource, what's the best way for them to go about that? Well, uh, we have a repository here at EIU, which your listeners might be familiar with, called The Keep. And uh, it is a repository of the creative and research output of our faculty, as well as many different student publications. But one aspect and one sort of section of The Keep are open educational resources. So if you have uh, material that you wish to share and make available and make optimized for um, uh, Google or other search engines, you can place it within your part, your section of your selected works within the Keep and label it as an open educational resource. Wonderful. And then is that only uh, accessible to EIU? No, then it's available anywhere. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, one off 
people often think they need to go to our repository in order to search it, which is completely not the case. That is the place they are all collected. However, all of this material is discoverable through uh, search engines, through Google, and in fact are optimized for discovery in Google. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. One final thought about OERs from an instructional design perspective Mm -hmm. is, would you like to comment on the accessibility that these resources give? And, And I'm going to define accessibility as in special measures that may be taken to ensure for learners with disabilities the accessibility of all course information, instructional materials, activities Mm -hmm. used for teaching and learning. Well, um, when you're utilizing sort of a a collection, an official collection or repository or, say, publisher of open textbooks, you can have a greater uh, level of certainty that the materials that have been accepted into this repository have undergone some sort of editing process, some sort of vetting process, such that they're required to have certain levels of accessibility uh, to them. Uh, which is not necessarily true if you're just sort of doing a random kind of open web search. You may find materials, but whether or not they have those uh, universal design for learning sort of uh, ideas applied to them or if they've been vetted for accessibility through uh, PDF optical character recognition, those things aren't necessarily true about the ones that might find their way into um, a repository or a publisher, for example. Sure. Well, Steve, I think we both benefited benefited today. You you got to speak about open educational resources, and I got to advocate some instructional design components using Good. OERs, which is active learning, mm-hmm. and also vari- providing providing variety within um, relevant course materials, Mm -hmm. and then also advocating accessibility. So I think we both won. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today, Steve. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hopefully, Steve and I's overview of open educational resources has you evaluating their use in your face-to-face and or online courses. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to more information about OERs. Until next time, keep in mind the quote from Jim Knight. When teachers quit learning, so do students. Thank you for listening and continuing to learn.